Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Marcus Paspitz with RioMax, and thanks for tuning in to the RioMax Tailgate Talks podcast. Today on the podcast, we have an audio excerpt from one of our past webinars. Well, it's an honor to be with this group today to speak with such uh, amazing individuals that have really set the course for people to make a difference in agriculture. Like Trevor said, Dell Fike with Fike Cal Company. Uh, we're out of Pleasantdale, Nebraska. We also are involved um, now very heavily with Elevate Ag out of Kansas, doing consulting and regen work and biological things. Uh, and the third component of what I do or the third hat that I get to wear is um, working with the Intertribal Ag Council out of Billings, Montana with, with really the the world's first regenerative group of people with the Indian tribes across the country. And uh, it's certainly work that is near and dear to my heart as this is, is very much a complete picture with how we need to do this with community and things like that. So I want to talk about, you know, the, what, what we've got going above ground and below ground, because we don't always take, um, take the time to really consider what we have available on our operation. So today I'm just going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the diversity of, of what we can do with, with mainly on the cattle side, but here all the, those like that, that are really going to feed those genetics or all those different opportunities that are in the soil. So we can go to the next slide. So I'm in Southeast Nebraska. We're a dry land operation, heavy clay soils that aren't, they, they're not forgiving. Uh, if you do anything uh, to those heavy clay soils, when, when the, um, when it's too wet or anything like that, we really have a, it's worked really well for us with a lot of small patches. We do get rain. We do not have any irrigation. That starts four miles west of me where the Ogallala Aquifer is, is still plentiful, at least for the time being. Um, we barely have any water underneath us. We use a lot of, uh, utilize a lot of um, springs that we've dug out over the years and we've increased through the ultra high density grazing that we've been practicing. Uh, from 1999 to today, we went from 7,000 acres of a lot of different species as far as uh, we were corn, soybeans, wheat, alfalfa, a lot of different things like that, and started using cover crops in 1999 as well with with the thought of it's nothing more than cow feed. We need cow feed. Um, let's start using that. Uh, so in 1999, we were still at 7,000 acres. I had a series of of back issues um, that required a lot of surgeries and it required me to think differently because no longer could I think in that large-esque type of thought process, which I didn't want to be anyway. It was just opportunities that were afforded to us. And hey, you know, the only way we were going to get ahead is what we were told is you better rent ground and you better do all this. You got to get big or all that. We did everything wrong. So today we're actually less than 500 acres. We run 100 cows. We have our meat business we call Graze Master Genetics. Um, we went from those 7,000 to around 500 today. We've reduced a lot of inputs. We're rebuilding the soil. Intensive grazing where it is 
applicable and practical within time. What we have to remember um, is a lot of people on the regenerative ag side, they get, uh, they tend to get pretty caught up and you have to do it a certain way. Well, that's the first thing that we want to do when we start regenerative ag or we start different practices is we're not falling into a system. We're not falling into a calendar. We need to be able to do it whenever we can do it and, and be in sync with nature. So with our, with our cow genetics, we're fitting that, the right genetics with the area and we can build those genetics uh, across the world with, with very little uh, tweaking that are going to work any place. Next slide. So there's people on here that I know real well. Ken Stewart's a good friend of mine. Has actually brought me close to, to working with Rio and and uh, brought this partnership moving forward. That uh, he'll get a kick out of my only two goals of to have the most accountable cow herd and the best soil on earth. And I only say that half joking because I really feel that if you don't have goals like that, you're not going to. Uh, leave anything better you're not going to leave the soil better the environment better your community or family and and that's the things we concentrate on with the program that we have at fight cal elevate ag and also the intertribal ag council where we're really trying to build community and that community can be worldwide and we always have to remember the regenerative practices can be used on any size operation they can be on a couple acres they can be on uh hundreds of thousands i just had a guy from from Russia called me a couple days ago and he's got uh, several 100,000 acre farms that he wants to start doing regenerative practices on because climate has changed and the permafrost is out. That's virgin soil. He doesn't want to mess it up. And so he's reaching out. And so that's a pretty large scale deal, but we see it working on any size operation. Next slide, please. I talk a lot about manure and urine, um, usually over dinner. At some of the nicest restaurants in the country, we talk a lot about manure and urine. <laughs> we can transform all of our farms and ranches with just tightening up our grazing. And we can recycle those nutrients really fast through those cows. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a patch in this picture is, was very degraded soil. Uh, just 20 years ago, and it's some of the best soil we have now. It's it's ultra-density grazed all the time. Uh, we've brought some different species in, things like that. We, we have to remember the power of the animal and why it was so important back in the day for the diversification on these farms and ranches. You know, the 80s farm crisis, in, at least in my area, and, and what I got to see across the country was the first things that the bankers said to sell or the livestock, and we've been on a real downhill spiral uh, even far before that, but really at that point when we stopped using that manure and we stopped grazing and things like that. So it's very important to always think about, you know, God created that perfect fertilizing machine. She goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. My big farming neighbors, it drives them nuts when we go to church on Christmas Eve and they're talking about they didn't get all their fertilizer applied and they said, well, we're still going, we're still running. We're running that fertilizer day and night. And, and uh, so we get a kick out of giving them a little slack about that. Next slide, please. 
though we talk a lot about earthworms because it's that macro type species, that genetic center of the ground that comes that we can see first anyway. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that are coming about that same time, but in, in our mere mortal eyes, we can see that, that earthworm coming, um, showing up to, to feast underneath those cow pies and in those, those urine spots. Um, we know it's working. We know they're helping to recycle that. You know, we got to think about, you know, the one acre of healthy soil contains around 1 million earthworms. They deposit 700 pounds of the best nutrients per day. So if anybody has ever heard of Darwin, it's a good time to think about reading his book on earthworms and his, his, the impact that he thought the earthworms had and what they had done in past civilizations and what they can do for us in, in current operations by, by what people like that had already learned. We have to remember everything is cyclical. Everything has been done before. And when we think about regenerative ag and its approach to this, it's nothing more than common sense farming. We know better. I talk a lot about farmers and ranchers suffering from the Stockholm syndrome. We become friends with our captors. I was there. I see people all around me still working for everyone but themselves. And the communities are dwindling and the family farm is, is nearly no more. So uh, next slide, please. This just a quick uh, overview. This is a patch that we worked on. We had soil sampled 10 years ago. We took that organic matter 2.6 to 6.9% in a decade with intensive grazing with uh, copious amounts of cover crops. Uh, we eliminated the synthetic fertilizers and things like that. So we know it can be done. We know it can be done any place. We know that the organic matter may be you know, we can't reach that high level, but we know we can increase it. And every time we increase it, we're going to improve that water holding capacity. So on these big branches, when we start thinking about, you know, what we can do there with, with the practices we know how to implement through grazing and through the different genetics and things like that, and then tweaking it with things like what Rio has on their side with uh, the nutrition products, we know we can keep bumping that up. It might not be as big as this, but we know every time we're improving it, we're making more money, making that soil better, and we're going to be able to run more cows. Next slide. So really, I've only maximized four acres. Those are the acres that we really you know, cranked on. We know we can do it across the farm. Um, we, we put a lot of cover crops in between our corn, soybean, wheat, alfalfa rotations, things like that. Um, we know we can do it across there. My time has has gotten to be a little less being on the road, all that. My son and daughter-in-law are taking over, certainly subscribing to the same theories that I have always uh, believed in with this and, and taking it, uh, you know, even a step further. Next slide. Oh, it's my contact stuff. So, sorry guys, I kind of went through that fast. I know that Trevor's got the stopwatch going. Um, you can always reach out to me. You know, this is one thing you got to think about is th this is not any fringe agriculture anymore. This is not some crazy hippie movement. This isn't Delphi in a, in a van down by the river with shag carving up the walls. This is, this is the real deal. We won't talk about regenerative ag in five years or 10 years. It's just going to be agriculture. We know it's coming this way, and there's going to be speakers following me that are going to do it far more justice than, than I could ever do. But we're in this together. It's a collective mission. And with people like Trevor and Dwayne and that crew and, and Ken out in the field with what Rio's doing, 
these are the kind of groups that all need to come together and we're going to be working together. So contact any of us and if we can help you in any way, we will. Thank you, Dell. I uh, <clears throat> can't believe that came to an end so quickly. I was just sitting back and really starting to enjoy it. No, it's I've been uh, watching the clock, so I, I I've been trying to do your job, Trevor. Yeah, you're you're awesome. I, I think, um, and, and maybe I'm just sort of uh, old fashioned, but I think the the number one thing that struck me in in Dell's um, speech was that it's it's common sense farming. It's not some out there movement when you apply it to, you know, we there's that term we always use, a grassroots movement. Well, think of it. Where are grassroots? They're in the soil. <laughs> that is, I, I think uh, today we'll, we'll uh, open our minds as to we live above the soil, but what, let's focus on the life below the soil and how that all ties in. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed that. We have these free webinars on a monthly basis and would love to have you live to enjoy the entire webinar and ask questions. To get signed up for our upcoming webinars, head on over to riomax.net slash events to get in on our next event. If you're enjoying what we've got to offer on the Riomax Tailgate Talks podcast, I'd encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I look forward to next time and you guys have a good one.